0: You bastards! I'll get you for this! You son of a bitch. Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today, we're going to meander a little bit. That's my fancy way of saying I'm not exactly sure what the topic is. I kind of know. I kind of know where I want to go. This is something that's been bouncing around in my head for a while. More so recently, I guess, because of the current state of the world and the current state of the United States. But it's something that I've witnessed in my lifetime. And I thought I'd talk a little about it today. It was actually kind of inspired by watching our Saturday night movie in our Discord, our little Netflix viewing party group that we have. I watched Taxi Driver this past weekend. It's actually the first time that I ever saw the movie. It came out in 1976. I'd forgotten it was a Scorsese picture. But I remember when it came out, I was a kid at the time. And my parents never wanted me to see it because it was so violent. It got all kinds of rough reviews because of the bloodshed that's in it. I'm not going to spoil the movie for you in case you've never seen it. And it is an interesting movie. Some really great character development, some really great direction. And if you're used to the violence that we have in our movies today, it's not that kind of violent movie. It's kind of a slow boil, thriller kind of, what's going to happen? What's up with this guy? What's going on with this guy? And then all of a sudden, boom! And that's all the spoilers I'm going to give you for it. But it's really well done. But Taxi Driver is a movie about an antihero. And anti hero movies are something that we're doing a lot of these days. We don't side with the Superman guy. We side with the Joker. That's basically the way things have evolved in my lifetime. All the movies used to be Superman, The Good Guy, the TV shows the same way, The Good Guys Win, Bad Guys Lose. And in my lifetime, I've seen a huge change from The Good Guys Winning to The Bad Guys Winning, or at least being really admired. And I guess that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Now, if you guys hang out in the stream regularly, especially on Mass Effect Mondays, you see that I always pick the Paragon choices. It's very, very hard for me to pick the bad guy choices, the renegade option. For those who don't know, in Mass Effect, you have lots of conversations, and there are dialogue options for most of these conversations, especially the significant ones that move the plot forward. And the options include a neutral option, and then one that's called Paragon, which is the good guy option, for lack of a better explanation, and the renegade option, which is the bad guy, jerk, rogue option. And my tendency in Mass Effect, and basically in every video game that I play where there are options, is to pick the good guy option. And I think that's a result of the way I was brought up. And it's also partly a result of the world in which I was brought up in. Now before I dig into that too much, I just want to say, I'm not going to say this is a longing for the old days. Gosh, I wish things were the way they were when I was a kid. I really don't. I wish attitudes were more like they were when I was a kid. And I'll explain that in a second. But the world needs to evolve. People need to evolve. It's okay to evolve and change. But I don't think the United States has evolved as much as it has devolved. And I'll explain what I mean. I'm going to pull out an old story that I've told before on the podcast, and I'm not going to go into as great detail this time as I did the last time, but it sets my frame of reference. When I was a kid, we were walking along the street and I found a $10 bill. Now, my first reaction wasn't to put that $10 bill in my pocket. My first reaction was to go to my mom and say, what should I do with this? And mom said, well, you know it's not your money, so we're going to take it to the police, and we're going to turn it in as lost money, and we'll see what they tell us to do. And so that's what we did. We took the $10 bill to the local police department. The guy behind the desk told me that if nobody claimed it within 30 days, it would be mine. That's what happens with lost money. Somebody finds it, turns it in. If it's not claimed, I get to keep it. Now, my reaction... My reaction to finding that $10 was not to pocket it, not to run off with it, not to keep it for myself. My reaction was, oh, this belongs to somebody else. What should I do with it? Now, is that as a result of what my parents instilled in me? Yeah, I'm sure. Partly. Was it from the TV shows, from the movies, from things that I watched? Yeah, I'm sure. Partly. Was it from the books that I was reading? Yeah. It was just everything around me created in my head, in my personality, in my character, whatever you want to call it. The need to do the right thing with that found $10. So I turned that $10 into the police. We marked our calendar. 30 days went by. We went up to the local police department after 30 days. Nobody had claimed it. So I got to have my $10 bill. Even if I hadn't gotten to keep the $10 bill, I knew that I'd done the right thing. Even if the person claimed it, then I would have been happy that the person who lost it found it because that was what was supposed to happen. Somebody finds money that's lost, the person who lost it goes looking for it, goes to the police, finds it, they get their money. That's the way the system is supposed to work. And it was this attitude that was also reinforced by the TV shows that we watched. It's funny, I don't remember watching the show Adam 12. Well, let me rephrase that. I remember the show Adam 12 being on. It was a police show. It was on in the early 70s. I remember it being on. But I remember maybe one or two episodes of it from when it was on back in the 70s. Because, you know, that's a long time ago. And I was a little kid. But it's been on in reruns. And as I've watched the reruns, I remember things about the show now that I hadn't remembered until I'd seen the rerun. And part of the things that were emphasized back then was how to behave in society. You lose property, you turn it into the police. Something bad happens, you call the police. The police respond, not with tanks and camouflage gear and bazookas, but with a caring ear and understanding personality and social services behind them in case you need some help that's beyond police work. So the world of Adam-12 had police who did their job, had social services to take care of family matters, had psychiatric services to take care of mental health things. There were people to which problems could be referred to take care of them. So even though I didn't remember this until I'd seen the reruns recently, this is stuff that was in my head when I was brought up. There's a system in place that'll take care of things. Police will do the right thing. Social services will do the right thing. People with problems will get help that they need. So that was baked into my personality, my character, my understanding of the world when I was a little, little kid. Couple that with the books that I read. Frank Serpico was a police officer who was trying to be a good police officer. And he discovered there was corruption in New York City. I'm not going to bore you with all of the details about Frank Serpico. But there was a movie and a book based on his career in the NYPD. And he tried to help bust the corruption in the NYPD, which still exists today. Nobody likes to talk about it, but it's still there. And it was cops like Frank Serpico when I was a kid that made me want to be a cop. You know, the good guy doing what he's supposed to do, following the rules, rooting out corruption, helping innocent people. That's what the police are supposed to do. They're supposed to serve their community. To protect and serve is supposed to mean something. And so the cops on Adam-12 and Frank Serpico, and I remember a couple of other cops, their nicknames were Batman and Robin, so that made them cool. There was an old movie back in the 70s called The Super Cops about them. Again, cops who were doing the right thing, standing up for truth, justice in the American way. That idealized phrase that I grew up with believing, I grew up being taught that truth mattered, that justice mattered, that there was an American way, equality, fairness, fair dealing for everybody. That's the stuff that I grew up with. So when I was growing up, I was reading these cop books and watching these cop shows, and I saw these idealized representations of what doing the right thing was all about. And so as a citizen, I thought it was incumbent on me to do the right thing in my daily life. Not only from a police perspective, but just living your life. Both of my parents always did the right thing. They followed the rules. They couldn't understand when people took advantage of situations. When they broke the rules. When they got away with something. And when I was growing up, getting away with something was rare. If you were caught in a crime, hell, if you were caught in a lie, you were in trouble. You could get suspended from school for a lie. Never mind calling in a false alarm. Never mind pulling a prank in school spraying a fire extinguisher on the floor or something like that. That would have been expulsion. But boy, getting caught in a lie. Oh, detention for a week. You just didn't do it. You didn't lie. You didn't cheat. You didn't steal. It was rare that people thought of doing stuff like that. And I'm going to circle back to Adam 12. Because as I watch the reruns of that, it reminds me of things that happened when I was a kid. One of my favorite scenes in Adam 12 these days is when the police say, Stop! Freeze! And the bad guys stop and freeze. Because that was basically the mentality of a lot of people when I was growing up. Oh, you got caught doing something? Oh, well, you admit it. You put your hands up, you go, you got me. You turn yourself in, you take your medicine. That's just the price you pay. You get caught? Oh, well. I mean, nowadays people run, they shoot, they hide, they deny, they cry, whatever. And nobody admits anything. But when I was growing up, there was shame associated with doing bad. It was an honorable thing to take your medicine. You did the right thing if you were caught. Okay, you took your chance. You did something bad. You got caught. Okay, time to pay the piper. Nobody likes getting caught. That's why you don't do bad things. That's the mentality that I grew up with. Basically, the mentality was, if you don't want to get caught doing something bad, don't do something bad. That was the prevalent mentality. My friends had it. My family had it. Basically, everybody I went to school with had it. The large majority of people that I grew up with had this, if you don't do something bad, you won't get in trouble, kind of mentality. Somewhere along the line, that all changed. It wasn't an overnight change. It's kind of been an evolution of attitudes. And I guess Taxi Driver, the movie, may mark one of the points in time that signaled the start of this change of attitudes. Because people loved Taxi Driver. But another movie from the 70s that people loved also with anti-heroes, or with bad guys as the stars, is The Godfather. The Godfather certainly wasn't the first mob movie ever made. But before The Godfather, the mob was always cast in bad light. The mob was bad. They did bad things. Yeah, they got away with it, but they eventually got caught. There was a TV series called The Untouchables, which was all about going after gangsters. The Godfather turned the mobsters into... I don't want to say good guys, but at least the heroes of the movie. And I didn't see The Godfather when it came out. I didn't see The Godfather till years later. I actually read the book years before I saw the movie. Mario Puzo wrote the book. I read it. It was good. It didn't make me want to become a mobster, but at least I understood where the mob was coming from. But I recognized, boy, these are bad guys. But I think something in society shifted around that time when the movie The Godfather came out, when the movie Taxi Driver came out, when people realized Hey, there's people getting away with crap and making money off of it and not really getting into trouble for it. And I think something in some people switched off, whether it was a moral compass, whether it was a sense of right and wrong, when it was a realization that there were very few consequences in reality for doing wrong. Maybe it's a combination of all three. But attitudes changed to getting caught doing bad things. And quite honestly, I don't know why. Some people like to say it has something to do with religion. I don't necessarily agree with that. I'm sure religion has a role in it for some people. You know, the old religious, if you do bad, you're going to hell. And with people becoming less religious and less of a fear of going to hell, there are more people willing to take chances on doing bad things. I'll pay that bill when it comes due. I'm sure that's a factor for some people. But I think the bigger factor over time has been a growing sense of selfishness. An attitude that, well, this is good for me, so why should I care what anyone else thinks? Because selfishness doesn't have a right or a wrong, it's just, what's good for me? It could be right, it could be wrong. That doesn't matter if your attitude is, if it's good for me, I'm going to do it. Who cares if it was illegal, I didn't get caught? It's a very short-sighted view of not only yourself, but of the world. Somewhere along the line, a lot of people stopped caring about what was right what was wrong. Somewhere along the line, people lost sight of the fact that there are rights and wrongs in the world. There are things that you do that are just wrong on a societal level. And there are things that you do that are just right on a societal level. Let's take just the most simple example. I'm walking along the street. I finish drinking water out of a water bottle and I decide I don't want to carry the water bottle anymore because it's inconvenient for me and I throw it on the ground because it's not my problem. Except it is. It is your problem. Maybe that one water bottle isn't a problem. Okay, maybe that one, if it was only one. But if 10,000 people all have that same attitude, or 10 million people all have that same attitude, how many water bottles are now on the ground instead of in a garbage can? And I know, this is a very simple example. I'm just using it to illustrate the point. Because doing the right thing goes beyond the impact it has on you. Doing the right thing sometimes might be a little bit inconvenient. Living in a society with other people who also have interests and rights, sometimes involves a little bit of inconvenience. You might have to carry that empty water bottle an extra 50 feet to the garbage can. Is it really that much of an inconvenience? It's not. It's just pure selfishness to decide not to do it. Some people mistakenly equate independence and freedom with selfishness. I'm free to do what I want. If I don't want to carry that water bottle, I'm not going to do it. That's not freedom. Throwing the water bottle on the ground is not freedom. It's not exercising your liberties. It's selfish. You're messing up the world for other people. You're adding your selfishness to the selfishness of other people who also have the same selfish attitude. And you create a huge problem when all of the selfish people decide to act selfishly altogether. And circling back to my upbringing, it would never occur to me to drop a water bottle on the ground after I was done with it. It wouldn't occur to me to toss it out the window because I didn't want to clutter up my car. It wouldn't occur to me to do anything except hold on to that empty water bottle and drop it in the garbage. I mean, how hard is that to do? Now, that's a very simple, very basic example. But you can apply it to water bottles. You can apply it to the bag of garbage from McDonald's. How many times have you seen people throw that out the window? Why would you do that? But it also applies to all of the corruption that you see in the world. People on school boards embezzling money for their own use. People in higher office taking advantage of inside information they receive to make money on stocks. People lying or cheating on their taxes. It's all selfish behavior. It's not independence. It's not freedom. It's doing things to benefit solely yourself, regardless of the consequences for anybody else. It used to be when I was growing up, that people would run for office, whether it's the school board or the mayor or the town council or Congress or president, they did it at least in no small part because they wanted to serve their community. They wanted to be a public servant. They had political agendas, but they had things that they thought were right for the town or the country or even just your little school district, depending on what office we're talking about. People used to run for office to benefit the greater good, to benefit a large number of people, to benefit society. They had a vision for making overall society better for everybody, or at least for most people. It didn't involve partisan politics. It didn't involve benefiting businesses. It didn't involve depriving people of rights or liberties or opportunities. There were differing ways of accomplishing these goals depending on the political party you belonged to. The political parties are very, very different now than they were 40 years ago. The attitudes are very, very different now than they were 40 years ago. And again, it's a continuing devolution of attitudes. And I'm not suggesting one party is the best and one party is the worst, although it's pretty clear from previous episodes which party I favor these days. One party actually at least gives lip service to caring about people and one party does not. But if you look at the party that doesn't care about most people, you can see it's spurred on by mostly selfishness. The selfishness that I've been talking about all episode. That selfishness motivates them both to advance their own interests, solely their own interests, and the interests of a very select few. The interests of society as a whole play no factor in most of the day-to-day decisions of that party. Now, I don't want to go too far down that political rabbit hole but the partisanship that we see today, this yelling and screaming across political aisles, has its genesis in a selfishness that has grown over the years. It didn't used to be this way. But the prime example of it in today's world, and I'm recording this in September 2020 just for perspective, the prime example of this selfishness is politicizing the use of face masks in an era of where we are facing an unprecedented pandemic. If you take my water bottle example and just substitute face mask, how difficult is it to wear a face mask is the same question as how difficult is it to carry an empty water bottle to the garbage can? It's not difficult at all. At most, it's a mild inconvenience. And yet, the screams of infringement on liberty, the screams of infringement on my freedoms... The screams of, you can't tell me what to do, is all based on a selfish attitude, a refusal to do the right thing, a refusal to follow the rules, a refusal to care about anybody but yourself. There's no other logical explanation for it. There simply is not. It's just selfishness. Now, does that selfishness have its roots in Travis Bickle doing whatever he wants as a taxi driver? Maybe. Does it have its roots in Don Corleone running the family however he wants to run the family? Maybe. Does it have its roots in watching people get away with graft and corruption and embezzlement? Maybe. One of the things that seems to be a problem with people doing the right thing, whatever that may be, is that people seem to think there has to be something in it for them in order for them to do the right thing. When I grew up, doing the right thing was its own reward you got a satisfied feeling from doing the right thing. Whether you got any monetary reward, whether you got any recognition, whether you got a plaque on City Hall, you did the right thing because it was the right thing to do. If you got a reward, oh, that's nice. But I'm going to tell you, when I turned in that $10 when I was a kid, that story has stayed with me all of my life because I remember feeling good about just turning in the $10. Part of me imagined some little old lady... Dropped her $10 out of her wallet, went to the police looking for it, and they gave it to her. And to me, that was a satisfying scenario. I helped this poor little old lady get her $10 back. The fact that nobody claimed it was a bonus. And I certainly didn't turn the $10 down when after 30 days nobody claimed it. But the fact that I turned it in because it was the right thing to do was the reward. That was the reward. To this day, there are times in my life where I do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And I don't get recognition for it. I don't get a reward for it. The only thing that I have is the satisfaction that I did the right thing. Did somebody else benefit from me doing the right thing? Yes. Is that a good feeling to me? Yes. Is that a reward? Yes. I'm not saying I do the right thing for no reward, but the reward that I get is a self-satisfied feeling of doing the right thing. And I guess part of me just doesn't understand why that's not enough for some people. I don't understand why doing the right thing and seeing other people happy, doing the right thing and making somebody else's life better, doing the right thing and contributing money to a worthy cause, I don't see why that's not satisfying. And on top of that, I don't understand how you can live with yourself if you've done the wrong thing, if you've stolen, if you've embezzled, if you've hurt somebody, either physically, financially, emotionally, I don't understand it. Maybe it doesn't make sense to you. Maybe it doesn't make sense to you that somebody gets enjoyment out of doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. But I do. Maybe you don't understand why somebody wouldn't take advantage of an opportunity. But I don't understand betraying a friend's trust, the public trust, the trust that people instill in you if they put you in a position of authority or responsibility. I don't understand how you could betray people and their trust, whether it's in a work setting, a political setting, or a personal setting. It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't have any answers... I don't have an explanation. I did this episode mostly as an observation. The world has changed. I'm not really a big fan of the way it's changed. I'm hoping there's a way we can steer it back to... a world where doing the right thing was the norm... rather than the exception. I don't know if we can. I try to do my part in my little section of the world... to emphasize good over bad... doing the right thing just because it's the right thing to do. I'm hoping it'll stick. And if you share the same philosophy... I encourage you to spread the word. Doing the right thing, it's okay. You actually feel kind of good doing it. So give it a shot. As I said from the beginning, I wasn't exactly sure where I was going with this. It's been rattling around in my head literally for years. This devolution of society. And I don't know if you got any answers out of this. I feel a little better having voiced it. It's out there now. Maybe you can get something from it. There's certainly nothing wrong about talking about it, but it might be like the weather. Everybody talks about it. Nobody does anything about it. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Storytime. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for letting me rant. I do ramble at times, don't I? But I appreciate you listening to me do it. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you for your continuing support. You guys take care of yourselves, and until next time, I'll see you when I see you.